Good evening. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today, reading Deuteronomy 16 in the NLT, but first and always we pray. Dear Lord, thank you for a wonderful day. Thank you for health and strength. Thank you for my friends in the gym. Thank you for my life that you've given me. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to read your word. Help as I read your word. Sometimes I feel in a strange mood, like it's almost like I just want to read it for me and I don't care about anybody else. And Sometimes I'm convicted that's a very wrong attitude to have. We want to share the gospel with people. There are people out there, I know there are, Lord, that want to hear about you, that are looking for relationships and trust and connections that are not temporal, that are not, that stand the test of time. And only you can offer that, Jesus. You are offering that love and trust and the new covenant and forgiveness and relationships that are built on an iron pillar of you, Lord, not just human effort. For human effort, human love is so weak. And people want that, but they don't know that you're offering that. They don't seem to they don't seem to get it. They seem to conflate you with just religion, empty religion, and something that has no relevance in their life. And everybody's talking about relationships. Everybody's talking about marriages and dating and 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 how to make the um members of the opposite sex be attracted and spend time with somebody and have a quality time and something where you can depend on another person and that can only come when that person has you living in them lord but we can't ask for that if we are not willing ourselves to give ourselves to you so help help me as i read this that it will change me and transform me and sanctify me i cannot really read this to people um, in a cold, detached way. And I cannot give away the love and joy of your son unless he is living inside of me through the Holy Spirit. So help that the Holy Spirit will be with us now as we read your word, that people will have that discernment, that I will have that discernment, and I will say things that glorify you. And apologies for words, Lord, where that I have made mistakes. I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Um, today I'm doing a water fast, so my friend in the gym says he does this for three days. He's done it before. He says it helps to reset the joints. Um, I was really struggling in the afternoon, but I do feel much better now. I did have some hot coffee, but no cream. And I guess this is, you know, I did ask the Lord to help me with the workouts, to help me for 2024, you know, to, to get better, not, not, uh, not bitter and not older, and um, to be smarter and train intelligently. And of course, train for my level because obviously my stomach would get nauseated and, and um, you know, my, my blood pressure would get high. And I do believe I have a high stress component in my metabolism. I've said it before, but along came my two friends and they seemed to push me and they seemed to want me to train with them. So I think it's a real joy and I think it's, I think they're part of God's answer for my life. And of course, I as a Christian, you know, and they do know that I'm a Baptist. They do know this. I, I want to be able to present God to them, not not just with a bunch of words, but with actions. So I'm going to read now Passover and the Festival of Unleavened Bread in the NLT. It says, In honor of the Lord your God, celebrate the Passover each year in the early spring, in the month of Abib, for that was the month in which the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. Your Passover sacrifice may be maybe from either the flock or the herd and must be sacrificed to the Lord your God at the designated place of worship. So this is the fe festival of unleavened bread. So we have the feast of Passover and that was time observed. I see I have a chart here. It says 14th of Nisan, which is either March or April. And it celebrates the exodus of the Jewish people from slavery in Egypt. 
And the messianic fulfillment is the blood of Christ. The Messiah fulfills once and for all the innocent sacrifice of the Passover lamb. And the verse there is Matthew 26 to print is so small. It's Matthew 26 verses 28. Should I read that? I think I should. Let me just read that because this chapter is obviously showing these feasts and they're fulfilled in the New Testament which Matthew points out in his gospel. Matthew 26, verses 28. Of course, the pages are sticking together. Please bear with me. Matthew 26, verses 28. This is a very long chapter. And it says here, uh, Jesus says, um, drink it, all of you. He's talking about the cup and, of course, the food. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus is saying this, and this is something we need to reemphasize. And I know even for myself, I did not before know uh, there was an old covenant versus a new covenant. I did not clue in that the Old Testament and the New Testament meant new covenant, old covenant. I did not really understand the difference between doctrines of information or, or hermeneutics versus relationships, what Jesus is teaching. And Jesus says, relationships with God, with your fellow man, and within yourself, fulfill the, the tenets of the law. He said, on these two commandments, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He says, on these hang the law and the prophets. This is what Jesus came to fulfill. And he said this, and people think somehow he's loose and he doesn't care about the Old Testament. Jesus is fulfilling all of these things. Jesus is the reality. Jesus is the uh, anti-type. And all these things were types. They were shadows. And they were shadows of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And we can see this now. And we have both the Old Testament and the New Testament. We see that both Testaments are really holding each other's hands. Really showing each other to be true. It says here, Eat it with bread made without yeast. For seven days the bread you must eat be made without yeast, as when you escaped from Egypt in such a hurry. Eat this bread, the bread of suffering, so that as long as you live, you will remember the day you departed from Egypt. So we do suffer as Christians. There is sacrifice, even in the gym. Um, somebody was talking today and we were saying, okay, we got we to gotta push ourselves. It's like you don't get anywhere without sacrifice. You don't get anywhere without discipline. You don't get, get anywhere with blood, sweat, and tears. So the thing is, yes, we have the new covenant. Yes, it's true. But to, to keep it, to, to guard ourselves, to watch what we're doing, watch where we're putting our eyes, um, it requires sacrifice. It requires discipline. And it's not easy. But God said that he would build that in us. If we are open, if we are open to him and open to his Holy Spirit, God would strengthen us and fortify us and make us, um, you know, make us invulnerable from the 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 devil's attacks and somehow by the devil attacking you putting you through things god is allowing it to strengthen us let no yeast be found in any house throughout your land for those seven days and when you sacrifice the passover lamb on the evening of the first day do not let any of the meat remain until the next morning you know god does not allow any temptation to come our way that we cannot handle but somehow that temptation is almost like working out in the gym you can't crush yourself, but definitely pushing yourself, getting you out of your dis, uh, out of your comfort zone, isn't that kind of what God is doing by allowing Satan to do things? Well, however it works, I don't really understand, to be honest. 
God is doing it, we do it to ourselves, or the devil is doing it. I don't quite understand, um, but I th but I know it's I know it's I can't quite pierce the reality, but I know from the scriptures that all of these factors are involved in a way that I don't really understand, but which I believe to be occurring. Verse five, you may not sacrifice the Passover in just any of the towns that the Lord your God is giving you. You must offer it only at the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. Sacrifice it there in the evening as the sun goes down on the anniversary of your exodus from Egypt. Roast the lamb and eat it in the place your Lord God, the Lord your God chooses. Then you may go back to, to your tent, to your tents the next morning. For the next six days, you may not eat any bread made with yeast. Yeast is supposed to represent something that inflates, that gives the bread its size, but it also represents pride and, and sin. And so, you know, there's everything that God, God does. As you read the Bible, you begin to see all these cross links. I mean, I'm not super discerning, but even I'm beginning to see some of these, these things. And it's quite amazing. You say to yourself, you shake your head like, wow, Lord, you're so intelligent. You know, the Bible is the, is the, is the work of one author, and yet God allows many different people, many different perspectives to write on him. You know, it's almost like God allows the, all the blind men to be standing around the elephant. And even though the elephant is in the middle of the room and we cannot fully understand everything, we cannot understand all the perspectives singularly because we all have brains that work in slightly different ways. God understands it all and he sent different people. He inspired different people to write what they could understand and it's so kind of flesh out the image of God from a whole from a whole perspective, not just one particular perspective. I sometimes think people don't understand that. When I hear people bashing the Bible or they don't even want to read it, or they're bashing God and they say, oh, it's just religion. Like that's why God sent many different people. You know, you have an accident that happens and there's like a whole bunch of people there and people see different aspects of that accident. Some people would focus on the color of the traffic light. Some people would focus on the, where the car hit. Some people would focus on maybe uh, somebody standing nearby if they got hit or if they got, you know, hit with some kind of debris. Like for, for, for the Bible to totally agree, like everybody would agree, that's collusion. And we know that's not natural, but God allows everybody to have their say, their perspective. But somehow the Bible as a whole completes and complements it um, God and, and even Dr. Mackey of the Bible Project says the Bible is one whole unified story because God is unified in himself. On the seventh day, proclaim another holy day in honor of the Lord your God and no work may be done on that day. And of course, I see that the Lord here, L-O-R-D is capitalized. And now I know from what we have been talking about, that, that is Yahweh. The Lord, the Lord, the God of the universe is Yahweh and Jesus is his redeemer. The Festival of Harvest. The Festival of Harvest is, let me see if I can find this here, as I was just looking. It's about seven weeks. So the Festival of Harvest is the Shavuot Festival of Weeks. Is that Pentecost? Okay, so I have a chart here and it says it begins 50 days after Passover. So it says here, uh, count off seven weeks from when you first begin to cut the grain at the time of harvest. Then celebrate the festival of harvest to honor the Lord your God. Bring him a voluntary offering in proportion to the blessings you have received from him. This is a time to celebrate before the Lord your God at the designated place of worship. 
you will choose for his name to be honored. Celebrate with your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites from your towns and the foreigners, orphans and widows who live among you. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, so be careful to obey all these decrees. So the, these festivals, these celebrations are celebrations. They're like Christmas. Isn't it Christmas gives everybody rest? Christmas brings everybody together. Christmas brings people talking about Jesus or at least conscious of Jesus. Like God brings people together, you know? And um, I'm also looking at the footnotes here, and it definitely says this is the the um, uh, the festival of weeks, right? The festival of weeks or the feast of weeks. This is Pentecost, and so my chart says. So the festival of harvest mentioned in this chapter is also Pentecost, and it says here, begins 50 days after Passover. It offers two loaves of unleavened bread, the fruit of the sheaf offering on first fruits. The Holy Spirit was given to the first believers on the Feast of Shavuot, Acts 2, 1-4. Not Pentecost. So this festival of harvest represents Pentecost. It represents the pouring out, the harvest, the Holy Spirit being poured out on everybody so that everybody could understand God and be given the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? Jewish and Gentile believers are one. It says the harvest of the one sheaf, Jesus the Messiah. So Jesus is the one sheaf. So we should have, we should live together in unity. Are we always going to agree about doctrines, beliefs, and hermeneutics? No. But we are going to agree on the Bible, on Jesus being um, Jesus-centric, grace-centric, Bible-centric. The Bible is the Word of God. And yet people try to go into the Bible and they try to lift out one verse or they try to just... Uh, use the Bible to weaponize either against other people or even other Christians. And we had a little class in our church and the pastor's talking about this and saying how we need to, you know, read the text, have a comprehensive knowledge. What does it say? What is it teaching us? What are some of the other texts that, that complete this? So definitely that's a, that's a sign of unity. It's from one God. And Jesus says, a man shall know if this doctrine is from God or from man. God unifies people. He he's, he's loving, but at the same time, he does not accept sin. God will not accept things of self self-centeredness. He will not accept that for man. God is other-centered. God wants us to be other-centered on him, to be God-centric, Father-centric, Jesus-centric, Bible-centric, grace-centric, not on man's ideas and man's peripheries. Man's ways are, are, are temporal. Man's doctrines are incomplete. But God is complete and Jesus is complete. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And in this world, this world of cancellation, them's fighting words. And Jesus said that he would be disliked and, and not, not liked uh, for um, the world would hate him and it will hate you too if you want to be with Jesus. The Festival of Shelters. You must observe the Festival of Shelters. So the Festival of Shelters, let me look at this, is the Festival of Booths. So let me see if I can find this one. Festival of Booths. This one here, if I can continue to look, it, it's, it's for seven days. And on this chart that I have here, Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles, um, it lasts seven days, reminds Israel of God's provision during the wilderness wanderings, 
reminds Israel of God's faithfulness to the cycle of harvest. Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's presence with man. So you know what? We're like the we're like the Israelites. Isn't this world a wilderness of goodness? A wilderness of uh, where the sin where it's a wilderness of lack. It's a wilderness of emptiness. It's a wilderness where people are looking for every thrill or every pleasure in order to fill their empty hearts. But we have been given the Holy Spirit, not because we are better than them, but because we believe in Jesus and he gives us the fullness, the robustness of the Spirit. And that's the fruits of the Spirit. That's love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. The world doesn't have these things. It's empty. It's angry. It's bitter. Everybody's contending against each other. Everybody's so galvanized. You know, everybody's kind of headbutting with each other. It's not healthy. Things can't move forward. Things can't get done. People have a hard time compromising. And even when they're talking, they seem kind of angry. Like everybody's so um, galvanized and so polarized. And so you didn't do this for me. And I was entitled to this from you. And you didn't, you didn't, you didn't do this. And, and you know, it's so self-centered it's so loveless there's so much of this in the in the world now it's just it's everywhere and as christians we will be immune to this because we will have the holy spirit inside us keeping us inflated keeping us strong keeping us robust reminding us that our perspectives are not just set on the earth those who dwell on the earth is a phrase used in revelation for those who will only ever see the flesh only ever see the physical world only ever hold on to science as the prover and definer of what is truth and knowledge. But we know that there are things that we cannot see. We know that God doesn't want to be proved. He wants to be trusted and believed and loved. You must observe the festival of shelters for seven days at the end of the harvest session, season after the grain has been threshed and the grapes have been pressed. The first festival will be a happy time of celebrating with your sons and daughters, your male and female servants and the Levites, foreigners, orphans, and widows from your towns. So again, it's a time of celebration. It's a time of rest. It's a time of coming together. It's a time of, of fullness. It's a time to celebrate what we have, not worry about what we don't have. For seven days, you must celebrate this festival to honor the Lord your God at the place he chooses. For it is he who blesses you with bountiful harvest and gives you success in all of your work. This festival will be a time of great joy for all. Yes, sometimes life doesn't feel like that. It feels the exact opposite way. And I guess we need our faith to say God is in this. God is walking with us in the wilderness. God is with us in the lack. God is providing us. Maybe not always what we want, but we get what we need. Each year, every man in Israel must celebrate these three festivals, the Festival of Unleavened Bread, the Festival of Harvest, and the Festival of Shelters. On each of these occasions, all men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he chooses, but they must not appear before the Lord without a gift for him. We have a gift. We have Jesus. We have our lives. We want to serve God. We want to make God happy. We want to please God. It's not about religion, but we just have to give something to God in a tiring way because that's what he wants and what's expected. For sure, there will be days like this. For sure, you want to get up, go to church, and you get up and you're tired and maybe you need a coffee to get going. But even Arnold said, you know, uh, he doesn't do the bodybuilding for just a ritual. He did it for the joy. That's what he said. I do this for the joy. And even when you're doing something for the joy, there's going to be harder days. There's going to be a slog. I mean, I, I've said things. I felt bad. I felt depressed. You know, but God always sends a gift. God always sends something. Always. 
I, I've just, you know, I, I saw that phrase that William Barclay had written, and I just keep thinking about it. When, when you are bothered, when the enemy is talking to you, when your brain is saying negative things to you, either the devil's talking to you or you're talking to you, your own brain is saying negative talk. When the negative talk comes, oh, I'm not good enough. I, I'm still struggling with a sin. I got problems. I'm not good enough. God doesn't want me. I'm nothing like Jesus. I'm not anywhere where I want to be. Stop, drop, and pray. Stop, drop, and pray. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. Because I don't want to talk this. I want to live it. It's the only way. I can't get to God by my own righteousness. It's, it's filthy. It's, it's, it's meager. It's vestigial. The only way I can get to God is to ask God to come get me. Right? It's to ask God for the Holy Spirit. It's to ask God for Jesus. It's to be in the presence of God with Jesus. He's the, he's the intercessor praying for us. And the Holy Spirit is muttering groans, or uttering groans, sorry, not muttering, uttering groans that we cannot understand in a different language. I don't know, but I believe and I trust. That's what the Bible says. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. All must give as they are able according to the blessings given to them by the Lord your God. You, you and God have to work out what your giving is. But whatever your giving is, I think it's going to be happy. I'm happy to give to God. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel good to give back to the church because the church has done a lot for me. And I'm so grateful for it. There are a lot of things I would like to change. I would like to always want to have that Sunday school, always want to have that intentionality, always want to see people coming to church early. But I, I don't control that and I don't know what's going on with people. I don't know what's happening with other people, but I, but I have to control myself. And, and it's not for me to worry about what other people are doing in some ways. In some ways, they're adults and they have to know what their duty is for God. The fruits of the Spirit is self-control, not me controlling other people. Justice for the people. Appoint judges and officials for yourselves from each of your tribes and the towns the Lord your God is giving you. They must judge the people fairly. That's what we want, fairness. God sees all perspectives, and if we're going to be godly people and make decisions, it's better to have more people rather than less. It's better to have counsel from more than one person. And I'm also thinking that, you know, I do want uh, to have the men's group where we are, you know, saying to the world what needs to be said, but the guy told me, maybe you need to just do this by yourself for a while to make sure the dynamic in the group is to go forward. And, and that seemed like good advice. You know, a leader should want to lead. I do want to lead, but a leader also listens to other people. And I guess I want to listen to people and just bring it before the Lord so he can show me. I don't want to be waffly. I'm, I don't feel like an alpha male. I don't feel like that. I think I'm more of a beta. I'm just more, I'm not comfortable, you know, trying to lead. But this is how it is. This is what I've been thrown into. Got no choice. I got no choice. I wish I was like an alpha male. My friend in the gym, he, he always knows what to say. He knows how to talk to people. He knows what to do. He's intentional and purposeful and driven and ambitious. And if people can be ambitious just to do a couple of sets in the gym, no disrespect to, to fitness and working out, but a couple of sets in a gym, working the body, right? If people can do that for something that is temporary, because our bodies are temporary, but the characters we are shaping are permanent. If you can do that for the body, can't we do it for the body of Christ too? We are part of the body of Christ. You must never twist justice or show partiality. 
Never accept a bribe, for bribes blind the eyes of the wise and corrupt the decisions of the godly. Let true justice prevail, so that you may live and occupy the land that the Lord your God is giving you. God is giving us justice. You know how? He's making us into justice. We should be just people, not sneaky people, not saying things that are wrong and unkind about other people or other Christians, even the government. You know, we should always be watch our narratives. And a lot of Christians even, you know, I mean, there's a Christian pastor really like the guy calling Joe, Joe Biden, um, you know, some bad names just because the man is old. Like, I'm sorry, I don't agree with Mr. Biden on many things. Of course, I'm a Canadian. Doesn't matter if I agree or not. He's not running my country. I don't agree with, uh, um, I was going to say Pierre Trudeau, but Justin Trudeau on, on things. But you know what? He's still the government. And maybe we can, you know, change the government or vote out the government and vote in people that are going to represent our things. But as Christians, I think that our audible and I think that our vocal should be at least kind. Because if you're a Christian and you're not kind, you're not, you're, you're not loving, you're loveless. There's something wrong with your religion. Before I go, it says here, you must never set up a wooden Asherah pole beside the altar you build for the Lord your God and never set up sacred pillars for worship for the Lord your God hates them. I don't know, the Asherah was like a tree. The Asherah was like, I don't know why, what, what there is about tree, but you know, something about trees, right? Jesus died on a tree. We were crucified with Christ on the tree. There's a tree of good and evil, There's the tree of death, right? Which was kind of the cross and I guess the tree of life. So that sort of represents that. I'm not exactly sure. But that's something that God said to them. And maybe we have to think about what patterns are in the, in the New Testament for us as, as Gentile Christian believers. I, I want to do what's right. I don't want to be preachy or judgmental because I got my own sins. I got my sins of omission, my sins of commission. I just want to be the kind of person that God can say when the sky opens up, well done, good and faithful servant. Like, Lord, maybe you gave me one talent, maybe you gave me a half a talent, but, but maybe I can grow this. And I would want the same for anybody out there who wants to do what is right. Because if you want to do what is right, God is going to reach for you. God wants people who are going to strive. He wants everybody. But God knows the kind of people that are intentional and, and want to have a relationship with Him, and I do. Because I think to have a relationship with God is to walk in power, to walk in peace, not pride. You don't have to step on anybody. You don't have to put people down. You don't have to get into a defensive mode. If somebody's talented than you, you compliment them and, and you're humble and meek and you lift them up. And you know what? They'll lift you up too. Because they'll see that you can be trusted and that you can work with them. And yes, there are some people that will take advantage of you. There are some wolves in the church. There are some people you can't talk to. You try to talk to them, you try to do kindness to them, and they always, I don't know, say something that stabs you or hurts you, or and they're just bitter or they're self-righteous. There'll always be people like that. And all I can say is I guess we just have to pray for them, and we just have to, God will give us discernment that we interact with them that keeps us safe as well. Some people you can't share too much information with, and God will show us who we can, who we can trust and who we should take a step back, whether they're in church or outside. God will give us the wisdom. I truly believe that. I truly feel that. And if I didn't believe that it was true, I wouldn't be doing this. I'm doing this for the joy. 
but I want to do this to promote Jesus in some way to a world that's looking for what Jesus offers, peace and love and trust and long-term relationships that have forgiveness and offer rest. But what the world doesn't seem to realize, you will never get those kinds of relationships outside of Jesus. That's my opinion. And I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. And I hope that this time has been good for you as it has been good for me and that you have been blessed. God bless, take care, and have a wonderful day tomorrow.